Hello and welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin from Totem and welcome to our podcast. What are we talking about on Totem Talks? Various things, business psychology, learning and development, talent management, HR, we cover all sorts. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Penny Pullen, who is going to tell us about her new book, Making Workshops Work. Penny, before we dive into the book, welcome and tell us about you. It's lovely to be here about me well um yeah i live in loughborough and um this is my fifth book i spent years and years and years um working out how workshops work initially as a project and program manager working for mars incorporated and other big companies and for the past 12 or so years it's been as a um, independent consultant helping organizations with their really tricky projects but um it was probably, it was coming up to 20 years ago when I really um, was thrown in the deep end into the whole virtual and hybrid working and, and doing workshops in a, in a non-standard way. I was due to fly to New York on the 13th of September 2001. Ooh. I was going to be running my very first programme. And yeah, that was quite um, exciting because I was going to be running this thing around the world. Everyone is traveling to New York. We're going to have two weeks together. Can you imagine two weeks together to get this thing completely sorted and then everyone would go back to their home countries and and carry out the projects in their own area. And yeah. And then of course, That's two days before happen. that, 9-11 happened. We were grounded for months. And yeah, we just had to get on with it and and do things, get to know each other, set it all up and do things virtually and in a hybrid way. Um, yeah, so a few years ago, I wrote a book about virtual leadership. Mm. It was a very niche topic in 2016. Um, in fact, I'll just grab, grab that one. Um, very niche topic, you know, mainly international project managers, program managers, that sort, business analysts and so on, people working on international project teams typically. Um, but then um, the pandemic hit and it all sort of suddenly went crazy and it became a bestseller. And um, the book that I was meant to be writing in the early part of last year, suddenly there was so much interest in the virtual leadership that, that I ended up um, taking a bit longer. I think I handed it in in January and it's, it's out now. And this one, the virtual leadership one was all about how do you work virtually? Um, how do you have make your virtual teams work well? How do you get virtual work to work for you and the people who you work with? And this this new one is all about um, making workshops work. How do we collaborate creatively, whether we're in person, virtual or hybrid? And it seems to be resonating with people that this is a real issue that they have right now. Yes. Helen. Absolutely. I and as you you're say, getting a lot of that too. Yeah, of course. You know, with, mm. with COVID, everything mm. has become, how do you do this online? And of course, now as people are moving into hybrid working, how do you mm. do this hybrid? Um, yeah. Uh, and that was the, my first question actually for you was, I will always avoid hybrid if I can that. Uh, and just to explain to our listeners what we mean by hybrid, because there's a few mm. different versions of it. I'm particularly talking here about when you've got some people in a meeting room together 
and some people dialed in online and we're trying to run a collaborative workshop or, or even a training workshop mm. you know collaboration and training tend to go hand in hand uh, mm. but you've got some people face to face and some people online I find that just awful uh, that yep. the people who are online just feel like they're not part of the conversation uh, mm. I also find if I'm because as the facilitator I would usually be in the room and then other people are dialed in but sometimes I'm even mm. dialed in as the facilitator and then you can't yep. hear the conversations that people are having or, or take part so if I can avoid hybrid I will at every opportunity but we have to accept mm that we're going to have to do more of it. Uh, and so I wondered Absolutely. what your views were on on how to make the best of what is frankly a bad situation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, yeah, it is much easier to have everybody in person together. Much, much easier. It's also much easier to have everybody virtual. Yes. So that's something that we realised when, um, when we all went virtual yeah. and um, everybody was in the same boat, at least in as far as they were virtual. Yes. Much the easier issue, to manage. The issue when you have hybrid is that you don't have a level playing field naturally. Yes. The people in the room have a massive advantage over the people who are remote, unless you do something to level that playing field down. So there are a few things that you can do, and these might be helpful, for you Helen mm. as you as you think about how on earth do I grapple with this <laughs> so different ways to level the playing field one is to make those remote people not disappear because it's very easy if you're remote to end up completely dropping off um, the radar of everyone in the room one of my clients does this really well they have life-size cartoon cutouts huh. of each individual in the team who isn't there and they prop them up on chairs amazing so it just means that those people don't disappear another thing you can do is use name tense it's not quite as powerful yeah but just a physical reminder of these people there are a few other things that you can do one is to have the remote always come first mm -hmm. so whenever you ask anything or do anything you always include the remote and you include them more than others to sort yes. of slightly offset that that playing field that's that is not level and to make it more level yeah I've certainly found that final one because that's certainly one that I've mm. tried uh it okay. just because it reminds everyone else in the room as well oh yes they're there they're listening in um and yep. I'm even thinking as I'm saying listening in a lot of this has been where it's been a conference call as opposed to a video call because I suppose yeah. we've got the advantage now with video technology having moved on that at least if we can see people we might be a bit more reminded to keep looking back at the screen uh, and keep mm. them included as well so yeah I love that I love the uh, cartoon cutouts <laughs> brilliant yeah um, that, that worked but there's more you can do as well so something else you can do is each person who's remote has a buddy in the room mm. and so by doing that um, they can have that sort of one-to-one -one contact with someone in the room the person in the room can keep keep an eye out for that their remote person and then the um, person who's remote, if they have any questions, they can just send a little message through to their buddy. So that's helpful. Something that some of the really big companies are doing now, they're saying we need to use remote technology to join this meeting, whether you are in the room or not. That's Another what I Another way like. of levelling yes. the playing field, yeah. 
Yes, because it, and and that's been where we've we've asked we've not even brought people together into a meeting room. So each person is sat at their desk, mm. and and everybody's then dialed into it. So it feels like mm. an entirely online event. Have you done that yeah. where people have been in the room together, dialed in to the to the online meeting? Uh, not before COVID. Mm. I've tended to find the other ones were okay. In fact, I once facilitated quite a difficult meeting um, where I was the only one who's remote and everybody else is in the room. Oh, and there were a whole load of, they were sort of training managers for the sales part of a pharma company. And they were very, very, um, you know, flamboyant and boisterous and, and energized and they were saying penny how on earth are you going to sort of keep any sort of control over this session and they're actually quite staggered because it worked beautifully but part of that was just real structure and clarity and agreeing how we'd work and then sticking to it yes absolutely which brings us on beautifully to your magic six uh, in terms of how you set up meetings workshops mm, events mm. to to get the most get the most out of them tell us about your magic six yes it's um something i came up with years ago in 2007 and normally i come up with things and then think of an embellishment almost immediately i don't know if you're like that at all helen but this is oh, something constantly that I... improving things yes yeah <laughs> This is something that just works and nobody's come up with a way of tweaking it to make it better. And I haven't either, which is quite weird. It Mm. just works. And these are the six things that it's really important to have clarity on at the beginning of any workshop, session or meeting. The first one is we are here to. And this is um, what's the purpose of your session? So we are here to explore making workshops work would be a purpose for your podcast. Something that's quite short. Um, something that five to seven words is ideal to finish mm. off the we are here to. And if you have that and everybody agrees with it, you have a very clear purpose and um, people know the point of the meeting and it helps with everything else. Yes. So the next thing is what are the objectives or today we will and then maybe four or five things um, that that we're going to do during this. And that's where you can go down to, into a little bit more detail. Then the next thing is what's our plan? Our plan, and that would be the time plan. So when we're starting, when we're finishing, when we're going to do questions, when we're going to have breaks. And perhaps if people are coming in just for a short time, maybe they're remote people, um, which part are they coming in for and what mm. are the timings on that? So that's the Great. first three. And then the next three, the next one is who's doing what? So it's really important to allocate roles and to get people to agree to be part of that. And it might be, for example, timekeeper. So that's something you're doing for this session. I don't have to worry about time mm. at all, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um In a meeting, it's great to have somebody writing down the actions and it's super to have those written down in a way so that people can actually, people can actually see them as they're captured Mm. and then they have a chance to say, that's not exactly right. Yes. Um, All those, all those things. Um, The most important one probably in many ways is the next one, the fifth of the magic six which is how we work together. And that is an agreement of 
how we're going to work together. And if you're going to have anything like conflict, you might have some issues, anything like that, then it's, it's really good to talk things through up front. So how are we going to work together? And it's really helpful to make this um, positive. So rather than no interruptions, why not talk about having one conversation at a time? Mm. Um, I'm sure you know the psychology behind all of this, but it seems that if you talk about things like interruptions and and so on, that people think about them. Whereas if you say no, uh, one conversation at a time, then people just think about that rather mm. than the what you don't want to happen. And agree that with a group, get the group to agree how they want to work. And then, um, yeah, if anything does go wrong, then as a facilitator, you can just mirror back. I notice this, mm. this and this. And we agreed as a group how, how we'd want, like to work together was this. And then it, you're much less likely to get into conflict Yes. Um, later on. And then the final one is what happens next? Mm. Who's doing what? What are the actions that come out of the session? Brilliant. And it doesn't surprise me that there's been no embellishments to that because one of the beauties of it is how simple it is. If you've made it the magic mm. 12 or the magic 14, you know, it's, yeah. it starts to become too unwielding. But having something mm. that's so simple and so short is, is very helpful. And mm. actually, that, that leads me to uh, something I've mentioned to you before, which is that uh, I, one of my key weaknesses as a facilitator is that all of that stuff I, I massively agree with and being crystal clear on purpose as I go into a workshop is, mm, is point number mm, one for mm, me. Mm, mm. But I will find that, oh, well, I've only got an hour and a half with it, particularly since we've gone online. Perhaps we, we might have had a two day workshop before. Now mm, I've got 90 mm, minutes. Mm, so all of that setup that might take 20 minutes of my mm. 90 minutes. So I'm actually just going to tell you this is the purpose and then dive into content. So I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I recognize that as a weakness for me as a facilitator that yeah. I'm so keen to get on with content mm. that I miss out five of the magic mm. six. What yep. tips do you have for me and, and anyone else listening who, who's sort of got that time concern uh, about getting all of that stuff mm. clear at the beginning? If you want to do things quickly, you need everyone to be completely clear. If you are completely clear on the magic six, there will be parts that you can drop out that you wouldn't mm -hmm. have been able, that you would have included before. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is think about how you do that. What I do with the magic six is I have a visual for it, a template, which I put up on the screen um, and I do it very quickly, but interactively. I don't just state this is what's happening. I invite input from people via the chat and I work yes. very quickly through it. Maybe takes 10 minutes, but it mm -hmm. will cut half an hour potentially off your hour and a half session. Exactly. And that's the power, isn't it? That we, we've mm. got this view of, oh, well, I can't do that. It'll take half an hour. But then you lose. It's, it's one of these classics, invest time up front to save time yeah, later. Yeah. We see that with so Absolutely. many points of good practice. Um, mm. So I have been duly challenged, Penny. Thank you. I will be putting this into practice. Well, in fact, I've got a workshop uh, later today. So I will have a go at, Brilliant. you know, let's, let's do this. Let's really take the time uh, to clarify this because how mm. much... Not only how much might it save us time later, but how much more improved is the experience for each mm. individual?
individual mm. Mm. because what I find as well with with online and hybrid and to a degree with face to face is people are coming into a space unsure about mm. what to expect unsure about what yeah. to bring how open mm. they can be how vulnerable they can be yeah. and all of mm. that setup up front yeah. is going to massively make yes. a difference to that. And I model a little bit of that, um, of how I, I'd like them to be. Um, so I had a session with program managers um, last last week. Um, and before they even entered the webinar, as it was, um, I had a slide up and I was writing in yellow pink, uh, yellow writing, yellow ink on the purple slide saying, hello and lovely to have you here and drawing little pictures of people jumping up and down. Um, and it just set set the tone um and i did the magic six even in a one hour webinar yes i had i think 35 minutes to talk i didn't do it interactively i did present it but i because there were several hundred people on the line um but it is possible and everyone who's tried it has found the the length of time of their meetings has dropped even yes. including that extra at the beginning yeah Fantastic. Thank you very much. So Penny, you wrote out to your uh, your network uh, and I think on LinkedIn as well, did you, to find out what questions do people have about workshops? Yes, I got loads back from people all over the world. So, Brilliant. Which is fun. Excellent. Well, I've taken a couple of those because Penny very kindly shared with me. These are the questions that people have asked. And one of the ones that came up as a bit of a theme was about getting feedback. Now that the way people have written it as their question made me think that some of them were asking, how do you get feedback or, or comments from people during an online meeting? Because maybe not mm, everybody wants mm. to speak up. And then there yeah. was a, a second part for me about uh, how do you get feedback after the workshop? So whether that's can I have feedback on how I did or more mm. actually what are people doing with what they said they were going to do and, and have they progressed with that um, so two different sides there let's start with the getting people to speak up if you've got people who are dialing in online in particular but but again you could mm. say this as much in face to face who are not speaking yep. up as much how, how do you encourage yes. that I think it's it's in that setup it's in the how we work together um and it's there talking about um, how everybody has a role to play in the meeting. They are there for a particular purpose, for they have something particular to give. Um, and, and therefore agree as a group that it's important to hear from everybody. Mm -hmm. Something that can be really helpful um, is just to tally who's spoken. Yes. In a in-person session, it's much easier to sort of get a feel of it without really thinking about it. But I will, in a virtual session, just write down, I'll have a list of the people and I'll just put a little little mark against their name every time they speak. And if I find that somebody has 15 little notches, you know, I do the sort of bar gate thing where you have four and then put one across so you can see the batches of five and somebody else has never spoken, mm -hmm. then actually I, I will, having agreed that I will do it up front, I will then um, in, invite them to say, actually, now I'm going to go around and ask people, um, the few people who've spoken a little bit less than everybody else, I'm just going to ask them in turn by name for their input. Um, 
often if you don't do that then you just get no input input at all um exactly but but that's good another thing that is helpful and also this this can help people um to not multitask Mm -hmm. do you know um helen when you get that answer when you ask somebody a question remotely and you you hear back oh could you just repeat the question Mm -hmm. (laughs) subtext i wasn't listening i was checking my email everybody in the session knows that that's right that they weren't listening but nobody ever says oh you weren't listening were you Mm. whereas if you set up in that up front um how we work together if you set up that every 10 to 15 to 20 minutes whatever's appropriate for your group that you will actually go around the group in random order just to get a a few um a few words from each person then people will know that you're going to call on them yeah and i call it polling the group and it's fascinating how when you set that up Mm -hmm. you don't get those oh could you just repeat the question Brilliant. Excellent. So how about for feedback after the workshop? How do we encourage people to keep the workshop front of mind, uh, respond Mm. to perhaps requests for follow up, whether that is feedback on on how did you find the workshop or feedback Mm. on Mm. how are you getting on with your actions? How do we Mm. keep that engagement post workshop? Okay, Helen, I'm going to add a bit more time at the end of your workshops. But it's something that'll mean that you're constantly improving. Mm. I would I would add in five minutes at the end, out of the huge amounts of time you saved, having been so clear. And I asked two questions. One is what went well? What worked for you today that you'd like us to keep doing for future sessions like this? What can we learn from? And just get people to put it all in the chat. It doesn't need to Absolutely. take take long. And then the second question is not what went wrong. It's very important. Not what went wrong. Mm-hmm. The question is, what do you wish had been different? What could we tweak for next time that would make it even better for you? Put it all in the chat and then act on those. Make sure you actually do something differently because of um, what you've heard. And if you do that each time, then your workshops, whether they're training sessions or meetings or whatever they are, they will gradually get better a little bit by little bit. And over a year, they'll be transformed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, that the uh, a lot of clients ask me, oh, we don't get very good feedback uh, response rates. How can we improve that? And I'm always saying, just mm-hmm. do it in the mm-hmm. workshop because you can yeah. get 100% response rate in Absolutely. the workshop you yep. can often get struggle to get 20% outside of the workshop. So totally agree on that one. Yeah. The other thing is with actions and follow-up, mm. um, talk up front about how you're going to follow up with actions and set mm-hmm. up something. Because what I find is when people don't do that, actions just don't happen. No, because there's no consequence. There's no accountability. Yeah. Why, why would I do yeah. anything? Yeah, and then you get these Groundhog Day workshops that just yes. have the same old actions each time. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Yeah. And it's really interesting, isn't it? I enjoyed reading that in the book about when you get that Groundhog Day meeting feel, uh, same action, same action. Mm. Are we going to progress on that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll get it done for next time. And of course, next time Mm. it's still not done. Uh, Mm. Well, let's challenge. If it hasn't been done Mm. for this long, does it not need doing? Mm. Yeah, actually, I like to check for intentionality at the Mm. end of um, sessions. 
So saying to people, I don't say, I want to check for intentionality. That yes. really wouldn't work very well. <laughs> what, what I do is say, on a scale of one to ten, how committed are you to doing that action? Okay. And then my next thing is, on a scale of one to ten, once you're back in the office, how sure are you that this action will get done when you have all the the work, the swamping amounts of work that you have? How sure are you that it that your action will get done? Mm. And generally, I find they drop a little bit. Of and course. in reality, it would probably drop even a bit more. And I find it's much better to say, well, how could we change the action so that goes up back to a 10 when you're in your office drowning? Because it's better to have an imperfect action that actually happens rather than um, the perfect action that never sees the light of day. Absolutely. Really is. And just hearing you ask those questions highlights mm. for me. Whenever I think back to when I've hired new facilitators to join our organisation or we've brought on new freelancers or associates, the conversation I'm always having with people, uh, because m most of our work is more facilitating learning events than facilitating a, mm. a collaboration mm. space for, mm. for a client. Um, the conversation I will have with people is that your role as a facilitator is more to be a coach than a content yep. imparter. Yes. And just hearing you ask those questions shows how much we're in a similar mindset on that, that the skill of a facilitator mm. is the skill of a coach. Yes. This is yes. not about telling you what to do or giving you advice. No. This is about asking no. you to think this through. The brilliant thing is that actually the skill of facilitation and coach is, it just works beautifully virtually. Yeah. So if you need to lead people virtually, if you can do it tapping into those facilitation skills you've just been talking about, yeah. then it'll work in a way that traditional old fashioned ways of, of leading just fall apart. Absolutely. And something I've really enjoyed about the, the COVID online space has been the gift we can give people by just giving them mm. space to talk and space mm. to connect with each other and say, I'm finding mm. this really tough. How are you finding mm. it? Uh, it feels mm. like quite a privilege, actually, to allow people that space uh, mm. and get them breathing space, I guess, in a sense. Mm. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well. The other question that came up in your um, in your poll, in your uh, global <laughs> check check of what people uh, would like to raise as questions, was mm. about creative buzz, and Ooh. you know we, we've got to. I, well, I certainly have to agree that mm -hmm. the creative buzz you get in a room face to face, you, you're never really going to replicate that like for like in an online or, or hybrid meeting. But I'm sure there are ways that we can make the best of, make, again make the best of a not ideal situation what are your thoughts on that how do we get some creative buzz in an online or hybrid meeting well Helen I think you can do things differently um, one way that I find really taps into creativity and connects people and is fun is doing things with very simple visuals Mm -hmm. So getting a group you can, with a collaboration space, a tool that allows you all to draw and all to, you know, scribble on post-it notes and stick things up and draw diagrams and, and all sorts of things like that. And with visuals and drawing 
actually makes a massive difference. If you try and do everything verbally, mm. um, when we speak, everything's linear. It depends on the words that come out in yes. order. But if you can present things visually, you can you can get a grasp of something much quicker and the holistic view of something. Um, so I find if I create some sort of visual template and invite people to come in and actually populate it with things, then actually people do get quite engaged and mm. interested in, in what's going on there. Great. And any top tips, Penny, in terms of software for doing that uh, or apps we can use whilst we're doing that online? Well, there are lots. A lot of big corporates that I work with are using things like Maro, um, Mural, um, Jamboard, I think. There's a Google mm -hmm. version as well. Yeah, there are, lo there are lots of things out there. Um, sure. And then if you do want to be able to draw accurately, actually, you know, your trackpad or your mouse is, is, is a bit limited. So, um, so what I find actually, a couple of things. I use a graphics tablet. It's, mm. This is not like an iPad or anything like that. This is much, much cheaper. So just plug in this, um, this is a Wacom Intuos. And then I can just scribble on it Great. when I can get the pen out. Um, <laughs> There we are. So you can see if I write on that, then it appears on my slides. So I write all, if I use PowerPoint, I scribble all over the slides. You can, if you really don't want to scribble on the screen, you can actually use something like this. This is, do you remember overhead projectors? Yes. This is the equivalent with a digital camera in the top. So you can Brilliant. actually write. But that's only one person writing um, and you can yes. display what's, what's in front of you. So yeah, Where is the others include visuals. Yeah. Visuals, why not chuck in some music? It probably needs to be royalty free or you need permission and, and all of that. You know, you can do lots of things. You can mm. send out little boxes with um, with special treats that are appropriate to the person. You need to take dietary requirements into account, though, of course. Um, have that turn up in time for your workshop so everybody can open up their little box and find something that's special to th for them. Loads of ways you can do fun things, even if Absolutely. you're virtual. Brilliant. Uh, and of course, that makes me think as uh, reading as well in your book about your uh, being a fan of lots of different colored post-it notes. I think everybody in the <laughs> workshop facilitation and learning space will yep. agree with that one. Yep. Uh, do we send out different colored post-its and encourage people to at least, even in their own spaces, be typing, uh, writing things down, yeah. spreading them out yeah. on their desk or on the wall yeah. uh, to then share their review? Uh, yeah, afterwards. send a photo. I'm, I mean, we can do these right. things now. Everyone yes. has a camera in their phone. They can just send yep. it through. And you can create a collage of all the ideas. You know, you don't have to limit Brilliant. it to, to what's, what's in the room. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you, Penny. It's been absolutely fantastic uh, talking through a few sort of highlights from the book and also chatting through these questions with you. Uh, let's talk about the important things like where and when can people get hold of the book mm. and where and when can find people find out more about you and, and how to work with you. Let, let's cover all of those bits before we close. Okay, this is the book. Um, you can find it well any any bookshop online amazon is 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 final it'll be on those all around the world but all the others as well waterstones barnes and noble and so on um just look for my name penny pullan or making workshops work it'll pop up um if you are listening to this before or on the 12th of july it is um going to be on a kindle offer for 99 
or 99 Ooh. cents. It is normally $26.99 or £19.99 for the, paper, the paperback book. So, um, yeah, that's excellent. That's and worth if people knowing. want to just find out more about you and, and working with you, we'll, we'll put links in as well under the, uh, the podcast okay. uh, for yep. all of that. Um, but where, where would you recommend that people find you? So, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Penny Pullan with an A. Um, otherwise, makingprojectswork.co.uk is my website. So have a look Brilliant. there. And Wonderful. you can find lots of stuff. Excellent. Well, again, Penny, thank you so much for joining us today on Totem Talks. To all of our listeners, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Uh, and a little bit of what's coming next. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking more about my forthcoming book. Uh, so Penny, perhaps we'll have a further conversation about that one. Uh, so watch this space on that. Thank mm -hmm. you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Penny, for joining. Bye bye for now.